Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy today's message. All right. Woo! Glad to be with you today. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Bon Natale. That's about all I got, so sorry. Try to be equal opportunity, but don't know at all. Hey, so glad um, that I get to the privilege of being able to kick off this series, A Gift Given. We wrapped up our, our series on hearing God last week. What an amazing, man, if you weren't here, you missed it. And I wasn't here, I was in Cape Coral, but I was uh, just so pleased to listen to the word that Pastor Jared brought about listening to that whisper, what it means to hear God's voice. But we're pivoting into this series, A Gift Given Christmas time is here, and this is the most wonderful time of the year that they call it. But we're gonna lean in. How many of y'all like gifts? Come on now, like tell the truth. Like it's good to get stuff. And I love to give gifts as well. I love it. I love this time of year because it's an opportunity um, to be selfless. It's an opportunity to give of ourselves. Uh, before I dig into the word today, uh, I, I wanna remind you, uh, by God's grace, you know, as Hurricane Ian came through, we, we saw it fit, uh, Pastor Josh, our lead pastor, saw it fit for us to start a Hurricane Ian relief fund, and we did so. And by God's grace, we were able to receive over $300,000 in that. Praise the Lord. And uh, really, again, the heart of that is, is for our people. We want to take care of one another. Like that's why God has us together, that we don't do life alone. And for some of you, you maybe experience loss due to the storm. I, I wanna encourage you, don't be bashful. If you need help, your church family is ready to, to support you. Uh, so if that's you, if you, need, if you need any assistance or you know another church, one of our church family that, that could use some help, we want you to send us an email, info at oceanchurch.com. Send us an email, we'll send you a form. We have a small subcommittee that reviews those forms. And to date, we've sent out over $100,000. We sewed it back in. And our goal is to sew another $100,000 before the end of the year. And we're, we're, we're not trying to act like we got a hole burning in our pocket, so we gotta get rid of the money as fast as we can. We're not trying to do that because we recognize the longstanding recovery that's taken place in our community. And we wanna maintain a place of readiness to help people. Can you say amen? Yeah. Amen. All right, go ahead and stand with me. We're gonna read our anchor scripture verse. Pastor Josh just alluded to it. It's John 10.10. And interestingly enough, we came out of the series Hearing God where it was in John chapter 10. Jesus is leaning in and identifying him as the good shepherd, himself as the good shepherd, saying that my sheep hear my voice, they follow me, they know me. So we lean in. He's also identifying what his intentions are. The whole reason why Jesus came to the earth we have pictures of Christmas time of, of Jesus coming to the earth and the, the Christmas story, which we'll look at in, in different uh, um, sermons over these next couple weeks. And we get this picture of baby Jesus coming to the earth. And we see his ministry and we see him dying on a cross and risen again. But Jesus explaining here in John 10, 10, the whole reason why he came to the earth. He also gives us a picture of the whole really reason that the enemy comes into our lives. John 10.10, 10, it says this, the thief comes only, everybody say only, only, only to steal and kill 
and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it what? Abundantly. Bow our heads one more time and let's pray together. Holy Spirit, show us today what it looks like to walk and have the abundant life in our, in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Got some questions for you. Let me start with a, a question. How many of you have stole something before? <laughs> I'm gonna see, you don't gotta raise your hand. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, so we're gonna start off with confession this morning. Come on now. <laughs> uh, I, 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 saw a, I saw an article the other day, speaking of stolen, it with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who walked into a 7-Eleven and like bought all the Snicker bars as an act of retribution because of the Snickers that he stole when he was a child. I was like, first off, how's this news, right? Like, how is this, like, news? And second off, like, he's a criminal. Like, he should go, like, he stole stuff and admitted it. <laughs> Maybe we've stole things. Many of us can identify with having something stolen from us. Come on. Something that was rightfully ours, that was taken from us. I remember when I got my bike stolen. It was terrible. And I walk home, crying. <laughs> got my bike stolen. That was something small. Many of us have had significant things stolen from us. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. He comes to steal. If we look out over the landscape of the world that we live in, in America, in the way that the world is right now, we see the chaos, we see the dysfunction and we see things still being stolen. I got a seven-year-old daughter and a three-year-old daughter. And at times it's troubling to know that the innocence of our children are, is being stolen. We look at, we understand the woke agenda that is being preached in the public schools and, and, and we, we're, we're afraid and we feel the innocence of our children being stolen. The definition of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman is being stolen. We look across Southwest Florida and we just see the effects of Hurricane Ian. And we're trying to enter into this Christmas season with hope and with joy and with good intentions and a positive attitude. But we drive down 41 and we see a mound of debris. And we see all of the things that have been stolen from people. The storm that swept through it's taken things that were rightfully, people rightfully earned or was rightfully given to them. So I, I want, in the fashion that I do at times when I get the chance to minister, I, I wanna pose some questions for you and they'll be on the screen. You could take a picture of it. And write it down is probably a better act that you'd be able to remember it, be mindful of it and ponder it, not just today as we're walking through this together, but even as this week to ask yourself some questions. First question, it's a great question, is what is paradise? Who? What is paradise? Second question, and again, these are questions to guide our, our discussion today, to guide our time together. Second question, what do you feel is missing from your life? What do you feel is missing from your life? And the third question, what is your favorite part of the Christmas season? Who? That's a loaded question, right? Like, there's a lot of things that we could put there. What is your favorite part of this season that we so often 
looked forward to. It was literally nine years ago to the date, December 10th, 2013, that I packed up my bags from Connecticut and I moved to Southwest Florida, hallelujah. And I remember visiting the year before and kind of coming, April and I came down in 2012, I think it was September 2012, and we were spying out the land, and I remember the first time I saw a sunset over the Gulf. Come on, somebody. I was like, woo! And like you, like many of you, like even, even now, those of you that have just recently moved down here, we look at the landscape of where we live, and we say things like, this is paradise. We live in paradise. And we talk to people all the time and they're like, man, we live in paradise. And we FaceTime our family on Christmas and say, hey, how's the snow going up there? I'm in paradise down here. <laughs> paradise. Paradise. So when we ask ourselves, what are the things that have been stolen from us? Many of us could rattle off of bunch of different things that have been taken from us personally. But also, I recognize that we are born into this world at a deficient place because we've had things taken from us before we were even born. And we look at scripture and I ask myself, where did the enemy start stealing stuff? And we see it in Genesis chapter three. I wanna point you there if you have your, your Bible. Go ahead and uh, turn to Genesis three. It's this picture of the garden paradise. Depending on your Bible translation, there'll be, there, there's different subtitle, subtitles in, in, your, in your Bible translation at times, and the subtitle in Genesis 3 is Paradise Lost. We get this picture of what was stolen. Genesis 3, 1 through 6, the serpent was the shrewdest. Again, the serpent being identified as the devil, Satan himself. He was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat, from the, eat the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? Eve said, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree of the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or, uh, or even touch it, lie. If you do, you will die. The enemy said, you won't die, but they did. They died a spiritual death that day. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted some of that wisdom that it would give her. So she took the fruit and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too and at that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Satan came into the garden with one intention. Satan comes into our lives with one intention. Satan doesn't come in to scare us. He's not the boogeyman, y'all, like... Satan, the enemy of our souls, comes into our lives with one intention, and that's to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's it. That's his only tactic. That is what his intentions are, and we see this take place in the garden. And here's the good news. I'll give you some good news up front, that Jesus came. He died a sinner's death to restore what was stolen in the garden. So we unpack that. 
And I'm going to give you three things that were stolen from us that Jesus came to restore. And I know there's more than three things. There's, there's a lot of things. Three is a nice round number. Three points that will be easy to remember because they all begin with P. And how many know all good things begin with P? Come on, Phil, somebody, come on. Hey, yeah. stop. Three things. The first thing stolen is peace. Peace. You look on down in Genesis chapter three, verses nine through 10. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? He knew where Adam was. The problem was Adam didn't know where he was. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. Check this. And I was afraid because I was, excuse me, because I was naked and I hid myself. And you look on down and I'll give you the commentary at verse 11 as you look on down and God says, who told you you were naked? You were the same before. He said, were you eating some, some of that bad, were you eating some of that fruit I told you not to? God probably didn't talk like, as I'm talking like right now, but he said, did you eat some of that fruit? Adam said, the woman you gave me, he tried to pass it off on God. Look at it, it's in the scripture, verse 12. The woman you gave me told me to eat it. He went down to the woman and said, hey, Adam said you told to eat the fruit. Yeah, it was the serpent that was here before. So God goes to the serpent, and we'll pick that up in verse 15. It's funny, because it's like, he deals with, with, the, with the, the, the troublemaker. He deals with the serpent first. He deals with Eve, and he's like, Adam, you go stand over there. I'm gonna deal with you after. You go stand right there, and you look what I... <laughs> verse 15. This is God speaking to Satan himself. He says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. That just means that, that God is, is saying, I'm gonna cause hostility between the enemy of our souls and the offspring. You're gonna have to deal with this now. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. There's escalated conflict now that is introduced and we see this amongst God's chosen people, the Israelites. They, they're adversaries that they had to deal with. Slavery, bondage, persecution. So they find themselves in this place dealing with the effects of a lack of peace, of conflict that was introduced into the world that wasn't there before because of the deception and disobedience of man. So we have this time where these people, the, the people of Israel are believing for Messiah to arrive. And then when we have the intertestamental period, which is just the time after Malachi, the prophet of Malachi, that, that, that the, the, the people of God were longing to hear the voice of God, the hope that would return to the people of Israel. And we see the arrival of Jesus coming to the picture. And we see in Luke chapter two, I'll point you there, verse 14, God decides that he is going to have a visitation and bring a message of peace and hope and he's going to do it to the lowest of the low in the society at that time and those were the shepherds. And it says in verse 14, Luke chapter two, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them what? Fear not. Everybody say, fear not. fear not. For behold, I bring, to, I bring you good news 
of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I love this part. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. It's like this enemy, this, 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 enemy, this angel called his boys. He's like, hey, come on now, come, come on now. They got together and they were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace among those with whom he is pleased. With the announcement of Jesus our Messiah, Yeshua, came a message of peace. It was the first thing, peace, because it was the first thing that was lost in the garden. And many of us, all these millennia later, are still walking around like Adam saying that we're afraid. We feel uncovered. And we're insecure in who we are. And we're insecure in who God is. We're afraid. We're afraid of who might get into political office. I'm scared. Jesus says, peace. God says, peace to you who I am pleased with. Come on, somebody. We forfeit our peace for temporary things in life. You may say, I'm afraid this woke agenda is just, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. And the Lord meets us today in this Christmas season. And he says, peace, fear not. Be not afraid. You said, I don't, I don't, you don't understand. Like, my marriage is falling apart. God says, peace. I said, Phil, I don't know if this insurance company is going to come through on my home. I'm scared. I'm afraid. God is inviting you to peace. He says, be not afraid. For unto us, child is born. Son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Who? The order of the cosmos is not on any political party. The order of what takes place, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He sent his son and he has all authority. So we don't have to fear because we've been bought with a price and we trust in him. His name will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Jesus holds the keys to it. Peace is restored as we believe on him who God sent. Can I get a good amen right there? Amen. And let me just tell you, my friends, brothers, sisters, peace does not come from you getting your way. <laughs> That's called satisfaction. If, don't expect, uh, let me say this first. Y'all know there's a such thing as false peace? Pseudo peace. Jesus says this, John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. See, there's a, there's a difference there. There's a, there's a peace that is offered to us by the world. If you do this, you'll have peace. You'll experience fullness. You'll experience happiness. You'll experience, experience success. He says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. My friends, don't expect your peace to come from something that can be taken from you. 
all it took in our paradise. And it's heartbreaking. I hear the stories of these people that were like, we sold everything to move here. We love it here. We wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And they're faced with the decision and they're distraught and broken. They said, this was such an amazing, peaceful place to live in, but now we can't live here anymore. So my peace is gone. We can't afford to live here. So many times we get to this time of year and it's just like, whoo, all right, I can have some peace. Get the Christmas music on, it's peaceful. Whoo, get the Christmas lights up, let's do it. We're gonna drink some lattes and we're gonna, we're gonna nestle up and it's gonna be fun. We're gonna watch some Hallmark movies. Oh, it's just peaceful. I'm so peace, oh, the Christmas tree is so peaceful. Look at the lights flickering on it. And then you know what? December 26th rolls around, y'all. Get, get. Y'all with me? Like, get this picture. Like, do not give your peace to something that can be taken from you. We put our hope and our trust in these things. And I know sometimes I just, I, I go down the, and this is not any, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it. I'm not, I'm not. We put our hope in something that changes every four years. And that is pseudo Peace. Temporary peace, false peace, anything that doesn't originate from Jesus Christ himself is not real peace. Here's the second thing that's restored to us through the cross is pace. Just take an E out of there. Pace. We see this Genesis chapter 3, 16 and 17. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. All the women in here are like, come on, Eve, you messed it up for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) And in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. The ground is cursed before of you, uh, because of you. Look at this. And all your life you will struggle. Scratch a living from it. See, what's set in motion at this time is no, man is no longer to simply sit and eat freely as he was in that day in the garden. And now we are faced with this place of striving and having to make our own way at times, it feels like, this brokenness that was established in the garden, it is being multiplied in our culture. And what's, whew, you know what's crazy, y'all? Is some of the, we have the worst pace during Christmas time. Come on, can I just tell the truth and shame the devil? We run around to all these different places. We're in a hurry, this hurried culture that we live in. John Mark Comer, author, pastor, In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, a fantastic read, he says this, hurry kills all that we hold dear, spirituality, health, marriage, family, thoughtful work, creativity, generosity, you name your value. Look at this line, hurry is a sociopathic predator on the loose in our society. 
this unrelenting ambition that says, I gotta grind to make my own way. You ever hear, people, people say, man, oh, that person's self-made, oh, I'm a self-made this. How, I'm gonna just tell y'all something. Nobody's self-made. Nobody sells themselves stuff and makes it their own way. Like, we all, we all need people, but that, 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 I digress. <laughs> this grind. Now, we're not saying, like, you don't have to work again. The Bible's real clear. Second Thessalonians says, you don't work, you don't eat. Like, this is, this is part of the deal. Like, we're gonna have to work. But Jesus is introducing something to his disciples, and he, and he introduces it to us as his disciples, even that Hebrew word disciple, as his apprentices, as we are Jesus's apprentices, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let me just stop there. You know, every day we have an opportunity for our physical bodies to rest, but some of us can go decades for our souls to rest. So what Jesus is introducing, what he's restoring to us is a pace that was established in the garden that was once lost for us to be able to simply receive. We wouldn't have to be takers. We can be recipients. And your posture is quite different when you're a taker versus when you're a recipient. When you're, when you're a taker, you're going like this. And quite often in life, we're, we're taught you need to take what you can get, get all you can. He's, Jesus is saying, let me show you a better way. I can't think of a better picture of pace. Even this Christmas season, let me give you all a picture in Luke 10. I, I didn't give it to the to the team before, they might not have it, but it's a picture of Mary and Martha. I wanna read it to you, it's in Luke 10, and this is uh, verses 38 through 42. You can write it down and read it on your own time. uh, As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, Look at this, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. But Martha was distracted by the Christmas productions she had to go to. But Martha was distracted by having to take all the kids to the parties and get all the gifts. And Martha was distracted by Cyber Monday. And Martha was distracted by Black Friday. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. If I was Jesus, I would have said, first off, I'm not in love with your tone, Martha. (laughs) Like, like, Mary, she is bold talking to Jesus like that. (laughs) Jesus just looks and says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Oh, God. You are worried and upset over all these details, making sure we got all the right Christmas stuff. There is only one thing, he says in verse 42. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. What are you concerned about this Christmas season? Pace. Pace and health go hand in hand. 
The third thing I'll tell you, the last thing, well, you know how I get down, pop quiz time. Uh, first, the, first, uh, the first thing was what? Peace. Peace, very good. Second thing was what? Peace. Here's the third thing, position. Position. Genesis 3, 23 through 24. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the garden and placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. What was stolen, killed, and destroyed was Adam's position as a son. What was stolen was his proximity to the father. There was now distance that was introduced to this relationship between God and mankind. And God in his goodness, and we see prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, we know that that hope would be restored, that a posture would be restored. In the Orthodox Jewish community, at times, God bless them, we pray for them. At times, they miss the peace of position. They were waiting on a earthly Messiah. They were waiting on one who would restore the people of Judaism out of a place of oppression to a place of prominence. But the whole reason why God sent Jesus to the earth wasn't to restore us to a place of earthly prominence. It was to restore us to a place of heavenly sonship. And that is what was restored. That was the price that was offered on the cross. We're born into this world with at best a broken relationship with God. But when we're born again, but when we're reborn, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he will no wise experience to see the kingdom of heaven. When we're born again through belief in Jesus, we are restored to our rightful place. That place back in the garden. Galatians 4, 4 through 7, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Oh, I love that. When the time had come, when God said, Phew, enough. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. My rightful place. That's where I belong. Paradise lost, paradise restored. Paradise. We describe, many, many, many of us with our natural mind, we describe paradise as like an, a visual oasis that's pleasing to the senses. We get a picture of, of, of sun and we get a picture of palm trees like oasis. This is a picture of paradise. And maybe that's part of it. If you ask Bible scholars to tell you that, that paradise is, is defined as a, as a place in heaven, a place that is absent from any earthly connection where you experience the fullness of God. And even that Hebrew word for paradise is garden. It means garden. Jesus, Jesus the last words, the final exchange that Jesus had with another human being we see 
in the book of Luke, Luke 23, 42 through 43. This was the final exchange that he had. What's amazing is the last exchange he had with a human being was considered a thief. Verse 42, 43. Again, these two men that are hanging next to Jesus, one of them is basically cursing Jesus up and down. The other one is like, be quiet. This man has done nothing wrong. And then this thief turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Ooh, oh, God. It, 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 it's, it's debated of this could have been a Hebrew thief. And when he said those words, you will be with me in paradise, what, what, was in, what could have been and what was probably interpreted is that you will be restored to the place of God's fullness back into the garden, back to the place that you were supposed to be all, the, all, all along. Listen, y'all, paradise is not just found in a place. It's found in a person. That person is Jesus. So no matter where you go, no matter what season you're in, nobody can steal your paradise. No hurricane Ian, no COVID demonic virus can take what God has restored in your life. Let me give you a really good equation. Come on, we can praise the Lord. Here's a real simple equation, y'all. Paradise. What is paradise? Here's paradise. Oh, thank you. Paradise equals Emmanuel. God with us. So many people, my heart is just broken driving around the community still. And many of us, we've moved past it. This is an opportunity God has given you and I an invitation to say, I'm not gonna be afraid of the things that happen in life, the things I can't control. I'm going to intentionally be present and slow down and not hurry myself to death because I know that I'm a son. I know that I'm a daughter. I know that I can have peace because God is pleased with me. And as that happens, we start walking in paradise and we're living the abundant life. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we say thank you. This Christmas season, God, you, you, you're inviting us to a place that is one of surety. God, you're inviting us to a place of security. God, you're inviting us to a place to know Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah. We know him as our great restorer, the one who bridged the gap that filled the chasm. So Lord, I pray in the hustle and bustle of even the Advent season we're in. God, you would reveal yourself afresh and anew. And God, that as you do that, we would be carriers of the hope, the joy, the peace 
that you've placed in our life. God, help us not forfeit our peace for temporary matters. Thank you that you call us your own. And you're here, maybe you say, I, I, I am not a follower of Jesus. I just came to church on a whim. Or you're, on, you're watching by video and you say, I heard of Jesus, used to do catechism, whatever, but I've never really made him the Lord of my life. As an adult, I've never made a conscious decision to say, I need a new way to live. And I want to do that. I want, I want to make a decision today. I, you, if that's you today and you, you're just saying by faith, you're saying, I, I, want to, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to be an apprentice. I want to follow his way. I'm tired of following my own way. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? Go ahead and raise your hand if that's you. You just say, hey, I, I, no one's looking around. So I'm tired of following my own way. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. You just go ahead and raise your hand if you say, I need to follow Jesus. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Lord, for each person that raised their hand and even for the person that's made the decision in their heart and they just maybe feel a little, maybe timid by raising their hand, God, I'm thankful that you meet us. God, that we can come as we are, but God, you never leave us the same way that we come. Would you do it even today in the hearts of my brothers and sisters? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or would like to connect with us, visit us at oceanchurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.